sits down with former Badgers to break down the season. Whether it's on defense or offense, we got to put it to the team immediately. Talk about that. That's the hardest thing to pick up. I would like to see our corners play a little more aggressive. Now, I think that's when our run game started get going. This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into the Wisconsin Football Roundtable. We're live from Coaches Club in Cross Plains. Got former Badgers Brady Ewing, Mike Taylor, and Bill Nagy with me as we look back at the Badgers' win over Northwestern and look ahead to uh, Kent State. Talk about some other notable topics uh, coming up here over the next hour. Uh, we'll start, I guess, with Northwestern. I think a lot of us thought it was going to be a little bit uh, bigger uh, spread than it ended up being. Wisconsin beats them 24-15. to 15. Uh, It was not pretty offensively. The defense was fantastic. They scored twice. But the offense really struggled for the first time this year. Just 243 yards of offense. It was the, I think, the fewest yards uh, at home in an offensive win in, in close to 10 years. It was not whatsoever good. Um, when you looked at, Bill, would you, when you looked at what they did offensively, what stood out? What, what, why did they have? Why did why did Jack Cohn struggle? Why did them them not able to get the run game going? Well, I think it was just what they did on first down. Um, the goal going into it as a first down, you want to get four more yards. When you're playing behind the chains, you kind of get behind in the game plan a little bit. I thought that was key. Um, and also a big thing that stood out was third down conversions. I got, I don't know. I saw the statistic. It might have been. It was like three for sixteen, maybe four for sixteen yeah, four or for something. 16, yeah, you got to be at least above thirty, thirty-five percent on the conversions. Right, it just makes for tough drives. And then you look at, you know, tough turnover with the interception, and then special teams, and it's just uh, tough to get it going. But also, you play against Mike Hankowitz, the D coordinator. Yep, um, former UW D coordinator. He was. Um, I mean, I played. It- against Hank's defense. He's a smart guy, and those sure. guys were prepared, too. So you got to give some credit there. But um, I think it was a little underwhelming and yeah. disappointing. But it's good to, to see our defense step up. You know, it definitely was. Brady, I mean, the way that Wisconsin ran offense, though, it was different than it was the first three games. Wisconsin was only in shotgun and in, and in the uh, – was not under center about – Thirty percent of the time, the first three games they were under, they were out, they were not under center for seventy percent of the time. And, and whether it was this shotgun or the pistol this past week against Northwestern, it was a significant change. The players and Paul Chris didn't really give a reason for it, but it felt like it kind of went against what they were doing those first three games. Those first three games where they had a lot of success. Yeah, I, I noticed that as well, and and I think it it just depends on the game plan as you're coming in and preparing. Obviously, they they're trying to win the game and dominate as much as possible, and. Uh, I was just surprised they didn't go back to what had been the bread and butter right. a little bit more. And and Cohen's, you know, I, not down on the guy at all at this point, but it, some of his throws look a little different. You know, he didn't seem like he had that zip on it um, that and that confidence with it that he might have had in the first couple games. So you know, He was quick to leave the pocket. I did notice that. I wanted to make that comment. I felt like the depth of pocket was – the offensive line, I think, did a pretty solid job. Yeah. But he was quick to, to give up on some of the some of the reads. I'm not a quarterback expert, but I saw him as a as an old lineman. Yeah. When you see you know, the quarterback scrambling out of the pocket, when he has time to step up and make some of those throws, um, I thought he was a little bit quick to, to do that last Saturday. I you're right, and I think it was there was a lot of I think a lot of man coverage in the first three games. There was a whole lot of zone this this past week, and maybe he was having a little bit trouble uh, differing. And trying to you know lock in on 
first or second read, and, and he even he, he even has said that a little bit, but still, that that doesn't really explain why Wisconsin went away from what had worked in those first three games. And for a fullback and for a running back, I know talking to Jonathan Taylor, I think he had twenty two carry twenty two of his twenty six carries came from shotgun or pistol. He had twelve of those carries in the first three games combined. How much different is it for a running back? running out of the pistol compared to or even shotgun compared to running out of the eye or, or offset formations in the back there. it's a little different um you know from a fullback standpoint typically we're not in the game and the personnels that you'd have um you know more of those shotgun run type plays you might replace that with somebody from a tight end perspective or right. an h-back that's yep. going to be motioning back into the backfield like a jake Patterson back when we played um and doing some of the lead blocking there so i think the the way that you're seeing the play develop is definitely different. Um, and then the play calls and, and the schemes that you're running are a little different too, Bill. Is the timing a little bit different too? It is. Sometimes with the shotgun snap and the timing and the ball's right there. Um, and this is one of JT's strength, and I think everybody sees it, is just his patience. Right. It didn't. I didn't see that last Saturday. And it, and it seemed like all that slow developing stuff, I don't know. When it doesn't work, we all have <laughs> So, <laughs> we're all going to look at stuff like that, but, it, but I, I just, yeah, it wasn't smooth. It, it, it wasn't. wasn't. Smooth. It wasn't at all. Uh, defensively, though, Mike, it was very, very nice. Uh, obviously, Wisconsin holds, uh, I think they had like 250 yards. Wisconsin scores, they outscored the offense. They had two touchdowns, a uh, return for a touchdown um, by uh, Noah Burks, and also the recovery in the end zone by uh, Matt Henningsen, who now has two touchdowns yes he's tied for the he's tied for second it's more than my kind of jealous just gonna say I mean, <laughs> this guy's had two receptions and he's got two touchdowns already throw this guy in on offense but going back to the uh the pistol in the eye for or, uh, shotgun formations we were talking about, i think we're kind of yeah. overlooking maybe northwestern's defense i mean they have some they some kids that can play as well sure. and like bill said they're defensive coordinator mike hankowitz he knows what he's doing he's played wisconsin before he's been here he knows what kind of kids we have and you know, I feel like every time we play Northwestern, that's what it is. It's guys that can tackle, rally to the ball. Going against a running back like Jonathan Taylor, you're going to have to have guys rallying to the ball, effort plays, running to the ball, and that's what we saw was three, four, five guys always around JT. For I sure. don't think he ever had an open running lane. No. If he did, he would have broke it. So um, whether you're in the I formation, pistol, offset, I mean, if, if you're scheming the, the run well and you know what Wisconsin is good at, that's what's going to happen. You just got to – work through that adversity and um you know that's what happened are you worried about play action as much though in that situation when, when you when you're in the pistol when you're in the shotgun are you worried about it as much as a defense yeah you're you're always worried about it sure um but i think the game plan for northwestern last week was hey in their eyes and that's probably what their coach was telling like, hey they have one guy on offense and the offense rolls through their running back we need to stop him first and I think we saw the emphasis on that it worked pretty well do you think they only have one guy on offense because I think I think from an outside perspective, right, a national yeah. perspective, it would I, be I love, they got Jonathan Taylor and that's it. But I, I think, think they have we more have weapons. one guy that we can you know depend on that we've seen. We may have I mean we have tons of guys that we can do, you know that are good enough to play. But it's we've done it over and over and over game and game and game big game after big game. It's it goes through Jonathan Taylor, sure, right. So um, we've yet to see someone else step up in big games. Um, so. If you can if you can stop Jonathan Taylor, I think, you know make make the offense kind of go through Jack Cohen more. I mean, I think it's simple, right? Like that's as a defensive coordinator, that's kind of what you you want to do. Bill Hankowitz's deal is keep everything in front of you, right? Okay, and make these drives methodical. Load the box up. Don't let the receivers get the big plays. And that was the deal. I mean, you didn't see Jack making any down 
the field type throws. Well, the one he did make yeah, it got was intercepted. A can of corn. Yeah, it was terrible. Yeah, but <laughs> that's that's <laughs> the reality. You may try to make them one dimensional, right? You do, and keep it in front of you, and manage the game. Sure. And win off the turnovers and be in the game at the end, and that stuff happens when you play close games. Yeah. There's going to be a you know punt fumble. There's going to be an interception. There's going to be a turnover. But if you can stay in the game on the road at Wisconsin, and that was their game plan, and they executed it, and I think it was. Um, you know, I don't want to talk about what Wisconsin didn't do. I think a lot of it has to do with some of the good of, things that okay. Northwestern did do. A lot, of, a lot of credit to Northwestern. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. They're a well-coached team. Okay. All right. I, I, I just yeah. You look at them, and they had not played very well to that point. They were the in it with Stanford. It was 31-10 to 10 the previous week against Michigan State. Um, Michigan State's a good team. Wisconsin's offense hadn't been held under 35 points the first three games. It, yeah. did, did Wisconsin, I don't know, I, Again, it's all when it doesn't work. We're all here to, to criticize, and that's a search, that's essentially what I'm doing. So I'm going to stop doing that and just say I don't I don't know what it was about Paul that made them switch against Northwestern. It'd be one thing if they were doing their stuff and Northwestern stopped their stuff, but they weren't doing their stuff in the first three games. Do you think some Does of that it, had to do with Hankowitz and his familiarity oh, with the I, traditional? I guarantee. I, I'm sure. I'm sure it did. I mean, I. I'm sure that's what Paul was thinking. It's like he thought this is what gives us our best opportunity to win, but it just goes completely against what Wisconsin has been in terms of we're going to run our stuff and you're going to you're going to have to stop our stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I think getting into some of the lighter personnel run stuff is what they've been trying to do. I think they may have been a little bit heavy with that, um, but also just from a, a standpoint of of health and fullbacks and. I know they're a little bit light on tight ends light right tight now. For sure. um, so they may be looking down the road to say, hey, we got to get this stuff going. We got to get the 11 personnel. We got to get the 20 personnel. All this stuff. We have to get this run game rolling. And um, it's just tough when, on, you know, first down, you're not running the ball well. Right. And you start playing behind, and then the defense dictates what the offense can do at that point. It does. Unless you make plays. It certainly does. Um, did you want to comment on any on the defense of how good uh, they did play, or was it just the defense? I mean, it looks strong. They've been consistent, so I think that's the you know a bright spot for Wisconsin, especially after last year. Was you know they weren't exactly as good as they were. They've they were in the, the past few years under Jim Leonard. So I mean, they've been looking strong. Northwestern, like I said, always plays Wisconsin tough. Whether it's defense, offense, they know each other. They go back and forth. Two defensive touchdowns. That's awesome. Um, does, yeah, they're rolling right now. Does it seem like they've gotten a little bit? They've got a lot more free shots at the quarterbacks this year than they have in past years. I don't know if it. Like Reggie Pearson got a, a shot at a guy. Eric Burrell got a shot at a guy. Chris, you know, Orr got a shot at a guy and caused a fumble. I mean, it feels like guys are getting loose. Uh, and I wonder if that's scheme or if that's just talent of guys getting th- getting loose. Well, anytime you're running wide open, no one blocking you, it's going to be a, a scheme or a you know um, uh, a disguise. So, I mean, maybe they co- they're coached up maybe a little better this year as far as disguising your coverage, disguising your blitz is better because these quarterbacks, these linemen, they're, they know what you're doing, when right. you're blitzing, yeah. when you're bluffing. So, you know, hats off to the coaches really to, to teaching these guys on how to, you know, be patient and, and not show it. And it, it's got to be tough for safeties. Obviously, as a, as a linebacker, you probably blitzed a ton, but safeties, you don't often get that chance. And you saw both... Reggie Pearson and, I mean, Eric Burrell caused a turnover with his, um, and Reggie Pearson knocked his second quarterback out in as many weeks with his. Yeah, that's what I was impressed with, seeing some of those, before Burrell came back, seeing some of those young safeties step in and, um, you know, dictate a good defense throughout, you know, the first half. I thought that was incredibly impressive. 
and then to watch some of the blitzes and schemes that Jim Leonard and, and the defensive staff was dialing up. Um, and just watching that stuff, it, it would be confusing from an offense's perspective, whether you're blocking it or the pass pro. Uh, they're disguising things well, and it was uh, pretty cool to see, but you've been seeing it consistently throughout the uh, you know first four games, which has been exciting. You definitely have. Uh, we'll uh, talk about a little bit more about that and uh, look ahead to Kent State and potential of Wisconsin looking ahead to maybe next week when they take on Michigan State. You're listening to the Wisconsin Football Roundtable live from Coaches Club in Cross Plains. This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable with Zach Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back into the Wisconsin Football Roundtable. We're live from Coaches Club in Cross Plains. Here with former Badgers, Brady Ewing, Mike Taylor, and Bill Nagy. All right, guys, uh, they do take on Kent State this week. They're a 30, last time I looked, I think it was 37-point favorite in, the, in this game. Um, how difficult do you think it is for these guys to, to continue to stay focused on Kent State? I mean, this is the first time it's happened in a while where you're playing in a, a non-conference game after playing a couple of Big Ten games. How, how do you think it is? Because um, the, they all say the approach is the exact same. They don't change their approach, which I feel is kind of some coach speak, but I'm just wondering if that's actually accurate mike i mean if we're being honest right we are being honest here you know you guys know there's a different feel when like when you're playing ohio state compared to like an austin pa right i mean yeah everything changes and you don't want it to be but that's just how it is you can't help it i mean you can say it all you want the coach can say it all they want but it, i mean when you're playing a team like kent state you're kind of expecting yourself to win you're expecting to have a good game and a lot of times when you go out there and you play a team like that, you make mistakes. It's like, I'm not, like, you kind of figure out, like, they're still a, a, a football team. They're still a Division One football team here. I need to lock in a little more. But I don't know how you guys feel. Um, I, I always felt like whether, you know, I was drifting a little bit myself, I always felt like the coaches did a great job of finding some storyline or finding players to attach on to of why, the, you know, they're not at a – big time big 10 school or um you know i feel like they kept as honest and whether there's things to work on from the week prior um felt like they were always challenging that that lackadaisical mindset that could start to creep in a little bit on a week like this uh obviously you guys there's been tight games at points with some of these teams uh one that's coming to mind probably bill i think it's probably on your mind uh 2007 cal poly at the end of uh, that year do you, no, that whole year was kind of a mess. 2007. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was. I or, mean, was that was that 2007? I think it was 2000. It was 2008. 2008. Yes, yeah. you're right. Correct. My bad. No, I was thinking 2006 because 2006 was, Buffalo was pretty bad at the end Citadel of that year too. too. Was 2007 maybe? Yeah, yeah. 2008. You're right. At the end of the uh, Buffalo or at the end of that season. Yeah, that was that was a you know a tough tough team. Oh, to be a part on. of? Oh, I was gonna say it was a tough team you were facing. There. No, but here's the deal: they actually had they actually had some good athletes <laughs> well, the on that guy, team. Well, they, they had, had, a, wide they had a receiver who was a baller. He ended, up, he ended up playing the NFL for quite some time. Yeah, he was a good player. But I mean, you're lucky they was, didn't have an NFL kicker that day. I know, oh right? <laughs> that was I remember being on the side, so I wasn't playing. I was warming the bench, right? Freezing my tail it was off. A cold game. <laughs> but I remember, I remember that game was. I think it was to become bowl eligible, or were we already bowl eligible? I think it might have been to become bowl bowl eligible. Whatever it was, I remember just being like, 
dude, even if we win this, we're going to Detroit. Right. It's terrible. Yeah. And for the expectations you set and going into that year, um, just such a letdown. So you guys, I forget, you guys were all there then, right? Yep. Yeah. So what do you, how did that happen? Is it just because of that how year? How did that happen? I think it's just a, yeah, it's a snowball effect of the whole year. Yeah. I mean, going in, um, you have Alan Everidge, who's the starting quarterback transfer, who's supposed to be, you know, the next best thing, lefty quarterback, you're ranked, you have a lot of really good players, and um, I don't want to compare it to last year, but yeah. you might as well, right? There's yes. a lot of really, really good talent and some NFL players um, that all of a sudden, once the the goals of the season kind of go by the wayside, you start losing a few games, start losing the locker room a little bit, those guys start looking ahead, and they're lo- they're trying to, you know, figure out where they're going to be training in a month, and they're not necessarily worried about, you know, the week and preparing for Cal Poly. And, sure. Um, it's a fragile game, man. Like, you have to prepare for everybody. And going back to your question before, um, I don't think a ton changes on game day. I mean, if you can't get excited when, you know, you're playing in front of 80,000, you know, that's that's your own problem. But I think it's the preparation. It's the, you know, the Tuesday, the Wednesday practice, um, the mentality going into it. Um, that's what I think can change a little bit. But if they've had good practices and all that, I think it just takes care of itself. And Kent State's an interesting team simply because uh, it is a different type of offense that they haven't seen. They've, they've had two weeks to get ready for Wisconsin. They had a bye last week. So uh, they also have uh, a former Badger as a head coach, Sean Lewis. Bill, you know him. These uh, the, Mike and, and Brady don't really, right? You never met. Yeah. So what is, what is Sean Lewis? Why, why do you think he's been able to be as successful as he has been to get to this point at such a young age? I think he's still the youngest coach currently in college football or in the FBS. Yeah, well, Sean loves football. There's no doubt about it. Um, he was recruited as a quarterback here at UW, and I think he was a pretty heavily recruited kid. Um, ended up moving to tight end, but the type of guy that did everything that coaches asked of him. Um, I mean, worked his tail off, wasn't the most physically gifted guy, kind of an in-betweener to where, I mean, six seven, was a quarterback, tried to move to tight end, put a ton of weight on, had a few injuries. Um, the playing career probably didn't work out the way that he thought it was going to, but just by his love of football and his work ethic and um, just a self-made guy. Yeah. Um, and I really respect his his story and his path. And like any coach, you'd look and see where they've been and what schools they've coached at. If you go look at where Sean Lou's been, his wiki is um, he's been all over right? the place, yeah. man. So yeah. there's been a lot of sacrifices from him and his family. Um, so it's... It's earned. I have a lot of respect for him. Can you tell whether it's him or another teammate? Can you tell when a guy's going to be like a, that? Guy's going to be a coach. You can. I mean, and there's been a lot of guys that have gone on and done it, especially lately. I'm, I'm thinking, what Jeff Duckworth, Antonio Finellis. I mean, you can go on down the line of guys that you guys played with that are now coaching places. Um, does it does it stand out like when they're there? Can you tell that that's what they're going to be, Mike? Um, didn't you live with Finellis? I did. Did you think he was going to be a coach? I didn't think so. No, and that's kind of that's kind of confusing because it's like I don't think you can really tell. I mean, there's a lot of guys on the team that you know can be strong leaders and they lead by example or lead by words, and you know they go up and do insurance sales. You know, so I mean, who would do that? <laughs> Loser. Which, 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 who would ever do that? The, um, the ones that always jumped out to me were the guys that you know the backup quarterbacks are the people that are waiting in the wings and they ended up being some sort of a resource you know like john the team. like john budmeyer yeah john budmeyer right you know yeah. guy had had some injuries you know didn't necessarily see the playing time that he would have expected or everyone would have expected out of him 
but um, he provided value to the team in different ways and was able, were able, was able to learn in a different capacity throughout that time. Um, you know, a Nate Tice, uh, John Budmeyer, um, you know, our two that jumped out to me. Yeah. Yeah, some of the guys that maybe didn't play as much or, you know, they wanted to play, but they never, you know, had what it took to actually sure. see the field, I guess. And yeah. a lot of times you have these kids that play maybe two or three years and they might get burnt out from football. So I don't know exactly how much Sean Lewis played. If, if at it all. wasn't it wasn't, it wasn't a ton yeah. um, I mean he played he got some reps as a tight end with some of the like the 22 23 type stuff but it wasn't uh, yeah yeah it's one of those things where you know if you want to be have an impact on your team it's gonna be you know leading or you know coaching or helping kids that are learning some freshman sophomore if you can do that I mean coaches notice you got you start to get better at it and you kind of find out yourself like oh maybe this is my path yeah uh, Kent State, again, 37-point uh, underdog to Wisconsin this week. Wisconsin's only lost to two MAC teams ever, and it's been 30 years. They actually have them the same season, 1988. They lost to Northern Illinois and they lost to Western Michigan. And the I believe one of the quarterbacks on his team was Paul Christ. So uh, he's got that going for him. Do you think at all uh, last Congrats. Yeah, he's got that going for him. Last week in, in what happened where he maybe didn't play your best, especially offensively, kind of makes you focus a little bit better going into this week? Like if you had blown out, blown about fifty nine and nothing like you did last week, maybe you would be a little lackadaisical going into this week. But maybe not playing to your to your level you did last week. That because I remember talking to the guys after the game on Saturday and Garrett Gershick, like, you better be hungry coming in this week after what happened. Do you think it kind of refocuses you a little bit? It can for sure, but it's all a mentality within the locker room, and it kind of sits on each individual. And some of the guys may have thought they played well, whether it's you know an offensive lineman up front or. But ultimately, it, it falls on you know Rudy and the coaching staff and everybody to just go in with that same mentality and clean the slate and just get back to work. And it sounds you know cliche and it is what it is. But yeah. those guys show up, and that's the one thing that I've heard um, from within the coaching staff is the guys just like showing up and working. We'll see if it if it uh, it helps. We, Kent State is last in the country against the run, They're giving up like 260 yards a game. Yeah. <laughs> that could be, that could be, that could be a problem. Yeah, you think that's a, problem. a product of their offense? Be getting so many opportunities, yeah, because yeah. they're only giving up, I think it's like 4.8 yards a rush, which is still like 100th in the country, but it's not down where everybody else was. You know, They're not giving up six yards a carry or anything like that. But they run so many plays offensively that they're getting so many opportunities elsewhere. But yeah. I saw the over-under is set at like 54 or something, right? So they're, so not, you're, so they're, they're projected to score some points, which... Confuses hasn't, me a little bit. Hasn't happened a ton. Of could be an opportunity, I guess. Could it could yeah, definitely could be. We'll see. Uh, we'll see on Saturday whether that's the, the case or not. Uh, we're we're live at Coaches Club here, uh, the Wisconsin Football Roundtable. Talk a little bit about the the new law in California that uh, just passed about college athletes being able to make some money off their name and image and likeness coming back on the other side. <laughs> This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable with Zach Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome back into the Wisconsin Football Roundtable, live from Coaches Club in Cross Plains. Got former Badgers Bill Nagy, Mike Taylor, and Brady Ewing with us out here. 
Uh, get into a little bit of news, national news, I guess, that, that was made this week. Uh, a new law signed out in California going to be allowing student-athletes in 2023 a chance to earn money on their name, their image, or their likeness. The NCAA has already come out and is very much against it. California's going along with it. There's quite a few other states that are uh, put, trying to put legislation through, including Pennsylvania and Minnesota. I'm guessing just for you guys, do you think it's a positive? I think it's a negative that, uh, that I'm, I'm guessing you are big fans of this and the ability to have an opportunity to make some money off of uh, your name and your likeness just like the school's been able to do. Mike? I mean, I think it's a good thing. Obviously, I'm biased, but... Um, <laughs> I mean, overall, I think the NCA is kind of, kind of a bunch of crooks, right? I mean, you got all these young kids playing football. A lot of them getting hurt, whether it's concussions or ACLs or neck injuries, affect you for life. I feel like those are all injuries that you had. I'm just going down the list right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you speaking about um, somebody specifically, or? <laughs> but I mean, you make millions and billions of dollars off of kids. We'll call it free labor. Yeah, you get scholarships. You get you know free education. But, I mean, there's a reason why you're targeting us as the athletes. You're not going after the freaking brainiacs from our high schools. You're going after us for a reason because we can play football because we're athletic. You're, you want our skills, not our, you know, our academic future. There's, I mean, I'll keep it short. I think it's a scam. NCAA is a scam. <laughs> so you'd be okay? Okay. Yeah, I'll be okay. But yeah. You'll I mean, be okay with sure. it? Take it further then? How, I mean, have you? I mean, I'm not. Gonna have you thought about it at all? Like, like legislate law right here on the airwaves, but I mean, <laughs> I think it's definitely a good start to actually like open up the conversation about paying some kids for what they're good at. You know, when they're in their prime, instead of, you know, like I said, a lot of kids' dreams are to go to college and to go to the NFL. Sure. And that's what they do. Some are cut short. Some sacrifice their bodies, and it's just like, you know what? Now what do I do? I have a social major, social degree. Oh, you're welcome. Like, thanks for taking, you know. Is that what you had? Did you have a sociology? Degree? Yeah, I did. How'd you this, know? This feels, this feels very, very personal. Um, <laughs> I mean, how do you guys feel? That's better than life science. Or I shouldn't say it. Maybe you guys have a life science communication degree. Any of you guys? I'm a social major as well. Okay. Because that's kind of like the thing back in the day, like life science communication. Yeah. Like, what the heck is that? I, I mean, like, I don't know what you're doing with that after school. If you're not going to the NFL, like, what are you doing? Guess what? You got it for free. <laughs> got so. a degree. You got the piece of paper. My biggest concern with it would be, you know, Obviously, just people abusing it. That's yeah, you know right. whether it be agents or um, you know other people finding marketing opportunities to with some of these big athletes to set them up to create a relationship with them. You know, like you hear the people talking about the um, some of the agents in basketball and the AAU deal yep. and how they're hanging out on these different tournaments and providing shoe deals, whatever it is for the teams, just to create those relationships and those those in routes for long term. So. Um, from that side of the business perspective, that would be my biggest concern, just thinking about it in the, the 10 minutes here that we have been talking about. <laughs> Bill, I, know. I, I could talk about this all day. I have a few takes on it. Um, Please give Right me. off the bat, I don't know the solution for this. But I will say that people don't realize the only money the NCAA actually makes is off of the tournament. Everything else goes through the conferences, um, and that's why in NCAA football, the Power Five conferences are becoming so powerful right. and that's where a lot of the revenue streams from from all these bowl games and the tv deals and all that so yep. one i think the ncaa is becoming irrelevant and they are just crying out and trying to keep themselves relevant because it is only a matter of time before it either has to disband or they have to really just concede to it well in that situation shouldn't they be willing to then go and change themselves and be able to develop 
into a new organization and, and change themselves to fit what is going on in these days? I would hope so, and I think that needs to be the first step in this. But I feel time. like it's just two extremes just continue to go at it, and they pull each other in both directions, and it becomes more of an issue. And that's where I think the issue becomes is I'm not saying that kids don't deserve to make money off of this, but there isn't even a plan to educate them on this. There's absolutely no rules. There's no guidelines. Brady talked about the agents. You're going to see money Money brings evil, right? Um, and for some of these kids, 17, 18, 19-year-old kids, um, I don't think that is the solution. I think the solution is to set up a potential trust forum or something to um, bridge the gap post-playing to say, hey, you made this money. You, this is going to... You know, help you in your next step, whatever it may be. Like I said, I don't, I'm not, I don't have the solution to it. Right. But I think it's two extremes going at it, and I don't think it's going to end well until somebody makes that, you know, concession. Yeah. And I, for some reason, I don't know why the NCAA doesn't want to change. Yeah. And the, the, That's the problem. The, well, the, and the messed thing, messed, messed up thing is, is that this has been, they've had the opportunity. This has been five years since the Ed O'Bannon decision, essentially, you know, ended college football, the NCAA game. That because image and likeness and all that stuff, and they've had five years and they haven't done anything. Like you've had all this time and you still haven't done anything. That screams, "What's wrong with you? Why aren't you willing to change? Why aren't you willing to to look in and be with the teams, or not even be with the teams, be, be with the states and put together a national law that, that that would help you change this?" Well, what it's doing is it's isolating California. You well, talk about, but some... it's not going to be just California. It's going to be Pennsylvania. It's going to be Minnesota. It's going to be a whole bunch of other states, and eventually, it is. And that's what's going to make the like NCAA. <laughs> but that's what's going to make the NCAA irrelevant, right? And I think the NCAA... right, and it has to go that way because they're not willing to correct adjust, and that's that's the issue. I think adjust was the word I was looking for there for a while, um, but yeah, no, it, it's 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 weird, and we'll see how it plays out. But did you guys play the college football game growing up at all? As a kid, yeah, yeah. I was. Yeah, man, that was, that was part of your dream was to be on game? that yeah. game, right? The, yeah, the, the, the NCAA Downtown. football game. Yeah, if you could have, I mean, you're going to be able to. I think get, we got paid on that, didn't we? Yeah, we got paid There's on a that. Settlement on that too. Yeah. But afterwards, after, not like while you were getting, not while you were still in school, not until after school, right? Because there was it was Correct. it came with that Ed O'Bannon that 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 thing, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. it was a couple of years I think after. Yeah, we had got done playing. Years. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, if. The, Think back to your. I mean, if you could have anybody sponsor you, though, if you could like be a sponsor for any Madison institution, what would it be? You go and speak for and get money out of it. What would it be? And I'd be hitting every every business. I mean, <laughs> seriously, like yourself. What's that? Like yourself? Like you would just go to every single business and be like, hey, I mean, do you if want they to wanted you to speak, or they wanted you to whether endorse it's, something. Like, we we kind of speak about it like it's a bad thing. Like we can go use ourselves to like help. I mean, we do that already for free, but I mean, if you can get 500 bucks or if we're going to like talk at a certain, you know, event where, you know, maybe it's underprivileged kids or, you know, you're something where you're helping. You're, you're taking money from a underprivileged Well, you know kids. what I mean. Uh, you know what I mean. Could be Wando's. Wando's could be anywhere. Wando's, KK, Mondays. Honestly, that is what I'm thinking. That's what I was thinking about. Yeah, you go and educate kids at Wando's. Exactly. Yeah. What did you say? Topper right. sticks or what? Yeah, I was just throwing out some okay. stuff that <laughs> back then I probably wish I had sponsorships to. I think all of us probably yeah. did. Yeah, right now, New Balance dad shoes would be my game. <laughs> a couple polos. But, yeah, a couple dad polos. Maybe some, some dress carpenter tackies. jeans. But okay, but back then it would have been all bars and and pizza places. You know what? That's just a joke. I, no, I, come on now. Well, no. That's a, that's a 100% joke. I think that um, 
I was thinking. I thought it would have been. I thought it would have been bars and like been like. Yeah, I think that would have probably that might have been abused in the wrong way. Which okay, is not good for the kids listening out there. But seriously though, there's there's just so much. Sorry, there's so much money around the program. There is, and you know what? Sometimes I think that that isolates some of those really cool relationships that student athletes can build, and I, I think that also you know, I mean that can help them later in life too because a lot of boosters feel like they have to be isolated and they can't be involved in the relationships and somebody's going to say whatever but some of those relationships that you can build when people want to talk to you and you're the guy playing um you know when you stop playing the phone stops ringing and those guys that used to you know want to be your buddy that that stops but if you build those relationships and somebody teaches you about that early on um that can only help you from a professional development standpoint I still want to be your buddy, Bill. Thanks. <laughs> that's not per- I mean, everybody yeah, still wants to be off. my buddy. I'm just speaking for guys <laughs> I know. A guy I know. A guy I know. That. Okay. All right. Cool. All right. Um, we're going to take another break, come back in their side, talk a little bit about uh, where Wisconsin is in terms of the top 10 and, and uh, potentially talent on their team compared to the other top 10 teams. You're listening to the Wisconsin Football Roundtable live from Coaches Club in Cross Plains. This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. This is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable with Zach Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yeah, welcome back into the Wisconsin Football Roundtable. We're live at Coaches Club. In Cross Plains, got former Badgers Brady Ewing, Bill Nagy, and Mike Taylor with us here. And I uh, wanted to talk a little bit about this. Uh, Fox Sports put out a graphic, uh, tweeted out a graphic, showed the top 10 teams currently in the AP poll and uh, how many four- and five-star guys are on each team. Alabama had 69. Florida had the second fewest with 39. How many think Wisconsin had, Bill? Six, I saw that. I would have said one. Brady? Ten. They had nine. So do us. Yeah. Off by three. Yeah. Four so or five star recruits. Four and five star recruits. Upside down. On their <laughs> on the current team. On the current team, Wisconsin has nine. The next, the second, decent. second fewest was thirty nine, and Alabama has sixty. Yeah, that's wild. The most. Wow. We think it says about Wisconsin that they are in the top ten despite all that. What? It, what? I mean, is it development? Is it not getting enough credit for the recruiting? What is it? They go after a specific guy. They do. And I think once you get into that middle area and you start chasing stars, you do yourself a, a disservice because you take away the evaluation process from your staff and you're spending... I mean, these guys spend a ton of time traveling around chasing these kids. If you're going to go up and compete against some of the Alabamas and the Clemsons of the world, what are the chances that you actually land a kid that you're competing and trying to pull away? Unless you're from in-state. Spend all your, yeah, yeah, spend your time evaluating the kids that fit into your program and get those kids and have a way bigger hit ratio than trying to reach on something and running yourself ragged tra- traveling across the, the country trying to you know get a bunch of you know one out of 20 type opportunities sure yeah they wisconsin knows their niche you know just like any business right or in the insurance game you're going after a certain type of business and and because you could really think you can help them losers <laughs> and um yeah they know their niche right it's a development program whether it's you know i'm a little biased i'm a walk-on guy from wisconsin but 
this is the place I always wanted to be. And they find people that, one, love the game, two, are disciplined and, and smart and want to learn the game and want to be a part of Wisconsin. And they're not afraid to turn away guys that might be that four- or five-star guy um, you know, that doesn't fit that culture and that long-term vision and, and uh, is ready to invest in something like that, which I think is, I think is pretty cool. And was, I was fortunate to be a part of that, and uh, I love that they're carrying that forward. I like to see the different statistic of how many guys stick with the program or how many guys transfer out or how many guys don't graduate of that pool that sure. they yeah. took, and that may tell a little bit different of a story. It will. Uh, so what you're trying to say, tough, smart, dependable, is that what you're yeah, is that, is that, a, is that, that a tagline? Is that, is that the a, Ford commercial? That, that is that is the Wisconsin's <laughs> commercial. <laughs> Too smart, dependable. They stole it from them. They haven't had they Ford haven't, stole it from Wisconsin. No, no, Wisconsin store. Wisconsin stole it from Ford. Oh, I Copyright. thought it was the other way around. What's up? Copyright infringement? Per, perhaps. Um, Bree, but you say you always wanted to play here. You were a walk-on. Do you think it would have been different if you had played in Florida or Texas or somewhere else? Like if if you would have been a higher-ranked kid, or Mike for you, or Bill. Probably. You played in Ohio, so you kind of had that. You were kind of had that more exposure and more, I guess, feeling that Ohio actually produces really good, you know, uh, football players. Whereas Wisconsin does not have that same feeling. I was just going to ask, how many like four or five star recruits does Wisconsin put out a year? Like four, if that. Four. I mean, how many five star? They're most, as a Wisconsin. state. As a is state, that what it is? Yeah. I'd say two or three a year, if that. Yeah, I mean, and and most of them come to Wisconsin. Yeah. So I, I would bet, and I didn't look at it. I didn't look at it, but I bet you. Five or six of those guys are offensive linemen, and they're from Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. You look at Florida, Texas, obviously an incredibly different caliber type athlete at times, and viewed that way. Right, definitely viewed that way. But those guys, you got to think too. They're focusing probably ninety percent of them are focusing only on football or whatever sport, right. respective sport they're playing. Where I feel like up in Wisconsin, we tend to have you know two, three sport athletes at the high school level. I was a three sport athlete, Mike. I know you wrestled. Um, played football, obviously. Did you do a, a spring sport? Uh, uh, track. Grew up doing gymnastics when I was a young tyke. <laughs> but I mean, Brady's got a point. I, I played every single sport growing up. You what know? was your What was your best uh, event in, in gymnastics? I was a really good tumbler. Were you? Yeah, I could see it. Yeah, yeah. Some roundoffs and cartwheels, but <laughs> I mean, how long did that last? Throughout. I mean, it's still going on. Actually. Okay. All right. Cool. Huh. Cool. Cool. You ever been to the uh, trampoline so that- park over in Verona? It's pretty. So that's is that where injuries have happened instead of right, right, right. Yeah. I was just gonna say though. I mean, <laughs> a lot of these Wisconsin kids, if they could go back and like re-rank these kids or see how much value they had for the Wisconsin football team from the state of Wisconsin, you'd be like, okay, these kids are not two-star recruits. That's you know, it. like Brady said, walk-ons. They're not walk-ons or one-star, two-star, three-star recruits. They're valuable members of the football team that go on to have NFL careers and it happens every single year. So I think a lot of the times, and Wisconsin knows what their bread and butter is. They don't need the five-star recruits. They don't need the four-star recruits. Every now and then they dip into Florida and they, you know, they take a chance on a miracle, you know, three-star recruit that they didn't get. Re- like, I mean, Jonathan Taylor, right? Was he a three-star recruit in New Jersey? They probably yeah. didn't think he was going to turn out to be the best running back in the nation. So a lot of the times, you know, you offer your in-state kids that you want to keep because you have to keep them because you know they're going to be the backbone of your football team. Right. And with the leftover five scholarships, you go down to South Florida, you go to New Jersey. And you just try try to find miracle football players, and sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't. But guess what? The ones that usually work out, the kids from the state of Wisconsin, or at least the Midwest. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. And they've improved their recruiting. I mean, under Paul Chris, they're they're you know getting up higher. Obviously, Grant Mertz was a four star kid. Logan Brown out of Michigan was a five star kid. They've done 
some of that. But you're right. A lot of the guys that they go down to South Florida and get are guys that didn't get scholarship offers from the Florida and Florida States and the Miamis, and they go up here and they have really successful careers. I mean, Sojourn Shelton comes to mind uh, among a lot of guys. Dakota Dixon. I mean, you can go on down the line of guys that from Florida come up here, but Wisconsin, and I think it's probably started when Barry came in the early 90s, or say um, in 1990, we're going to get our beef and everything from inside the state and our hands and feet from outside of it, and that's pretty much what this team has been, and it's stayed that way when they've been their most successful. I mean, it, it works. It's been working, so, I mean, they just keep doing it. Bill, what's your perspective on it from an out-of-state guy that was recruited by other, you know, Big Ten schools? I think from a recruiting standpoint, there's relationships that are built, and that goes to the high school coaches as well. Um, and when these guys are on the recruiting trail, you have to be efficient with it. So you have to target certain areas of the country. Had a ton of success out in the East Coast with Jersey, Connecticut, um, some upstate New York-type kids. Um, And then there's a lot of kids up in the Michigan area that I feel are getting overlooked by Michigan because they're going out and recruiting a ton of kids. So you look at if Michigan doesn't want them, where are they going to go? You go to Ohio. Ohio State doesn't want them. Where are they going to go? Besides going down and, you know, you have to recruit some of the southern states, but I just feel like they have a blueprint to go and find some really good talent in some of the areas that I feel like get passed over and some of the talent gets a little bit underlooked. Yeah, no, definitely. And you feel, you talk about Michigan, they had not been in Michigan going in there constantly for a long time, but the past few years they have. I mean, Reggie Pearson's from Michigan, uh, Scott Nelson's from Michigan, Logan Brown, as I already mentioned, from, from Michigan. There's Jaylen another Franklin. recruit coming, right, from Michigan? Did they just get somebody from, I think, like, uh, O-Lyman, they just got committed. I don't oh, know. Okay. They were fired up about it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Ready, there's a lot of opportunities with that, too. There are. There are. Ready, you going to say something? Yeah, and I think other other uh, teams and, and states are starting to figure that out about Wisconsin, too. I mean, you oh. see the niche of South Dakotas, North Dakotas coming into Wisconsin and have, have a certain type of guy that fits in their program and is historically a little bit under-recruited other than maybe Wisconsin, and we don't have, um, you know, a ton of D- – we don't have any D2 football program. You know, we got a bunch of good D3 programs that get a, a ton of good talent. Um, but there's other, other schools figuring that out about Wisconsin too, Bill. Some kids get burned out too. When you go down to Texas and you go down to Florida and these kids are playing spring practice, they're playing through the summer, they're doing one sport. Um, and it's a good thing for the moment and for that high school football team. But a lot of those guys have already hit their ceiling. Some of the guys in the Wisconsin area That's who a very good point. Uh, there's some good football around here. I'm not. Uh, I'm not knocking it by any means, but I don't think they're as developed. Right. No. That's a. That's a great point. The guys that are spending year round on football that it's the only thing they do. And Wisconsin doesn't have spring practice. I still don't think they do. Right. I mean, I don't know no. of any school that, that allows it. I think you get so many. You know, five or ten practices throughout the summer, and I don't think you know maybe a couple of them you can wear helmets. But yeah, no. That's a. That's, that's a, a great point. That's Bill. a great point, Bill. About the ability to play it year round and. Some of the young guys at Wisconsin that are only able to play it six months out of the year, it's, it, it's a big change for them when they actually get to UW. And it's tough to evaluate that, too. How do you compare a, a O-lineman from Wisconsin that plays eight games a year versus a kid that's playing year-round in Texas? Right. Hard to compare. Yeah. Right, and then the, the weight program development, too, that can come with that, you know, getting into a winter conditioning program, you know, undertaking the spring ball and everything that comes with college football. Um, and Wisconsin's yeah. just different, too, right? I mean, Wisconsin... The weight program, usually you're not going to have a ton of guys playing early, uh, especially O-line or D-line, but it, it has uh, it has developed over years. We've seen it with Travis Frederick, I know, that him playing early, but for the most part it doesn't happen. And we'll see, uh, again, how 
It continues on whether they're able to continue to move up in the rankings uh, despite the lack of talent. And I use that in air quotes. Uh, high school talent, I should say. Guys, thank you very much. Uh, we'll see you back here next week at Coaches Club. Badgers will take on Kent State, looking to move to 5-0 and for the second time in three years. Until then, you've been listening to the Wisconsin Football Roundtable. is the Wisconsin Football Roundtable on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.